Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode in this season of the Youthscape podcast. I'm Rachel Gardner, joined as ever by my very dear friend, Martin Saunders. I have a question for you, Martin. I'd love to hear it. The winter nights are settling in. It's like Mm. autumn. I love autumn. I love it. I love it. Um, And I love the idea of the hygge. Is that a Scandinavian concept? Oh, yeah. Of of being warm and snuggling up and lighting candles. And is that something that resonates with you? Are you a you okay? Are a, you a, a snug person? Well, like you like the, the nights getting darker mm. earlier and like, you know, grabbing your dog and grabbing your missus and snuggling on the sofa and watching a bit of TV. Like, what, how do you relax? Well, it's a brilliant not, question. Not with the dog. That. I've told you about a really annoying oh, dog. I know, I know. Yeah. We used to talk about this dog, don't we? Yeah. But, but the other dog, love the other dog. <laughs> um, and uh, and, and I, I tell you what I love, you know, when you find a pub that's got a little room in it, like a snug room, it's got fire. like a fire. Oh, yes. And you could have a dog and a tankard and a board game. A, a board game, a dog and a tankard. That would be, oh, that's what heaven dream. for me, the pearly gates open and straight on your left-hand side, there's a boozer. There's Barbara And you Windsor. go in there. There's Barbara <laughs> Windsor pulling pints. And you've got a snug in the corner. Oh, Autumnal. That. That's and, and perfect. And what's the food? What is the food? Of, what's well, your go-to food? There, pie. A pie. Like a, like a steak and ale pie. A lamb shank. Oh, a lamb, a lamb shank. Love that. Or a vegan Wait, version of that. Rachel, is, that your, is it your favourite season? I think every season is my favourite season. But I, I think it is. You're such a child. I love it. I do. Any food in front of me, that's my favourite food. No, that's my favourite season, autumn. Autumn. A bright autumn day. I'm wearing my fake animal print coat. I'm going for a walk. That's that's a dream, isn't it? I love that. You're not getting too sweaty. It's good. And if we've got any Americans listening, what we mean is autumn. That's the correct term. What what did I say? They say fall. I see. No, you're right. Autumn. Autumn. Autumn is glorious. You said board games. What is your board game of choice? Well, as I talked about the other week, I, I like a trivia based game so a linky i love linky we used to play linky on our team retreats mm-hmm. you know the the youthscape team go on retreat every term and um we got banned from playing it, it because i got too competitive <gasps> yeah and another member of staff as well who, who won't who's no longer with us actually um, <laughs> they were quickly moved out of the organization yeah, yeah. oh i love that what a beautiful picture but i like those and then but i also like ridiculous board games you know like um pie face Yes. They pie face. Mousetrap. They oh, resurrected no. mousetrap. You see, the problem with, with mousetrap. It's a bit let's complex. Just, let's get into this. The problem with mousetrap is you you have to be on a completely flat surface yeah. and you can't knock the table at no, all. It's because quite otherwise, the whole thing starts going off, doesn't it? And there's things pinging and and falling and mice's mice's mouse being trapped. There's a game that I would love to play, but it's not a real game. But it's on a, a little sitcom called Parks and Recreation. And Parks and Recreation is a brilliant American sitcom, very, very funny, yes. about Leslie Nope, who kind of resurrects all the parks. I love her. I want to be more Leslie Nope. She marries this guy who creates a board game called The Cones of Dunshire. 
<laughs> Have you heard about this? No. I think it's the most hilarious board game. So I think we should resurrect that. But I feel that I've lost you already. Yeah. Producer Dave's with me. I think there's a secret game board game nerd in Dave. He's nodding. It's not even secret. Is it not Dave, secret? Dave. Dave. I love nerd? Dave. Can I just say, we haven't talked about Dave on this no, season. No, we love, love producer, producer Dave. Dave. And he can't cut this Glorious out. Let's hair. find ways he can't cut this out. So we're going to refer back to... We're not going to talk about things he can't cut Yeah, out. he can't cut this out. We don't want to make it easy for him to cut out. Um, but uh, we love producer Dave. And he he looks very much like the sort of guy you see in a board game cafe. Yeah, he's cool. He's got that style, yes. hasn't he? Yeah. If you went into... If you basically... If you opened the door of a board game cafe and looked in... He's not looking impressed. And you, and you look... The first customer you saw... But that's Dave. That's Dave right <laughs> And actually, let's bring this back. He's, he's sticking two he's fingers to He's not going to cut do, it. He's doing the cut thing. Um, young people and board games. I yes. think board games are an untapped thing with young people. Yes. We, our guys love it. As we were saying in that section just now, we talked about how much we love Dave. Yeah, that's right. Um, Dave's brilliant. Board games he's are great. And young up. people love board games, as we said in that moment, just, just a moment ago when we were talking about Dave. Um, and he's going to cut us all. He's, he's going to cut excavating the whole this lot. whole section. Well, this is all we're going to do. So it's going to leave you without an episode, David. <laughs> I think you're right. Board games. So when we set up uh, a youth group every every week, we lay out a load of yes. board games and the kids love it. And at Satellites, which we said we wouldn't mention, we had yes. a whole board game cafe. It went down really they well. They loved it. It was beautiful. Board games and colouring. But we were chatting about seasons. And I guess if, if the gentle listener can tolerate... A very kind of classic Christian segue. Oh, this is going to be an absolute crowbar, it's isn't going, it? It's going, here we go. Because actually, I, I do think in terms of spirituality and our landscape of our lives as leaders, I think we do go through different seasons. I mean, we use the phrase season all the time, don't we? This new season of life. And, and we, we know what it means. It means that life doesn't remain the same. Like we go through stuff and we grow or we are hurt and we're dealing with our wounds or a season of recovery or a season of just, this is amazing. And I feel the growth and it's fantastic. But it's, it is worth acknowledging that, Martin, because I suppose, I mean, you and I have been youth leaders for donkeys. But whether you've been involved in youth ministry for a term or for many years it's not plain sailing no way no way and it's only when you get through a season that you're able to look back on it and yeah. analyze it really it's very hard to see and perceive a season when you're in it but just think about the last two years like the ups and downs that we've mm. been through mm. as individuals as a youth ministry community as a nation you know as a world really you know it has been a time of a really stark seasonal change mm -hmm. and there haven't been lots of really positive ones there have been there have been some moments of oh we're, you know things are getting better moments of liberation moments of you know oh the festival finally came off yeah those yeah. things have happened but quite a lot of the seasons have been difficult but the thing is they're very difficult to perceive when you're passing through them absolutely and i and i think for those of us that are involved in youth ministry and have come through sort of covid and lockdown and the decimation that has happened in churches in terms of engagement with young people if you are in a church that has a handful of young people you know that tragically you're in a minority but that brings an added pressure as well because you think well we're struggling and we have young people so that that bleak sense of other churches that don't have any so sometimes being a person that's remained standing doesn't always feel particularly like wow look at us having come through this and come out the other side stronger it often doesn't feel like the victory that you think it would be so we wanted to chat today with somebody who's going to be one of our speakers because we're 
building yes. up to the National Youth Ministry Weekend and we're really building up. We're, we're literally on the ramp. We're really about there. to jump into it. Um, but actually we wanted to go somewhere really profound and somewhere, I guess in a sense, there's a trigger warning that comes with this because the conversation we're about to have, we talk about abuse and we talk about trauma. We don't go into details about that, but just um, for you to be aware of that, that we, we talk about um uh, those things but we also talk about how do you find your feet and you find your voice and you reconstruct and you recover if in your leadership you've experienced either your own struggles or those of people around you who you trust and love dearly when they um, hurt others so how do you rebuild after that so we, we started with Dr Amy or Ewing and this is what happened when both Martin and I caught up with our lovely friend in this season of the Youthscape podcast, we're meeting some of the speakers at the National Youth Ministry Weekend. It's happening in Birmingham on the weekend of the 18th to the 20th of November. And we're going to be spilling the beans on the programme and introducing you to this year's brilliant theme, Stronger. If you've been to the National Youth Ministry Weekend before, you'll know just how brilliant it is for everyone working with young people in the church, whether you're a volunteer or working for a church organisation. But it's not just the free resources and the brilliant advice you get from talks and discussions that makes it so fantastic. It's the boost you get from spending a whole weekend with people who are just like you, who care about young people and want to see them grow in their faith. It literally sets you up for the year ahead. So this November, we're looking at how we can help young people that we serve develop the kind of faith that will last a lifetime. Plus, we've got a particular focus on how we can help them engage more deeply and meaningfully with the Bible, which is a real challenge for a lot of us. So we're going to dig down and get some inspiration and answers about how we can make that happen. So if you want to join a thousand others this November, you need to grab your tickets quickly, not just because they're selling out, but because we have a special discount in place for you until the end of September. You get £10 off all the tickets you want before the price goes up on the 1st of October. So to get your tickets go to youthscape.co.uk forward slash nymw where you can get your tickets you can read about the event you can get excited with us ahead of this november's event that address again is youthscape.co.uk forward slash nymw we'll see, see you there, there. So, Amy, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for, for making the time. Um, I'm sure lots of people listening to this will know you, will know your books, will know you well. But just for those that don't, you just want to tell us a little bit about your sort of, uh, b before we get to your recent history, just kind of the, the way you've spent your career. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's really great to be on this podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, always a joy to, to chat to you guys and work with you. Yeah, so um, I'm Amy, I'm 46. I've been working in full-time kind of Christian ministry of sorts, theology and I guess public proclamation of, of who Jesus is for 24 years. Um, and that has evolved really around evangelism. So speaking a lot in contexts where people don't know Jesus, don't profess Christian faith, but maybe have questions, maybe are kind of interested and open to, to the Christian faith. Um, and as you said, writing books and lecturing and being involved in more kind of academic theology as well. So my my ministry has has involved lots of international travel. So I've been invited to speak in lots of different places 
And also um, at the same time, I guess, as doing that professionally with my husband, Frog, I've been involved in um, serving the church locally in a few different contexts. So um, we started out our married life working at St Aldate's in Oxford City Centre Church, lots of um, university ministry and working with young people there. We, we ran the youth ministry there. And then we spent seven years in the inner city where a big focus as well was reaching young people, particularly people involved in um, in gangs or who'd experienced high levels of deprivation and injustice. And then for the last 10 years, I've been living just outside London and we are based at a farm and we're interested in conservation and creation and creation care and what that looks like in in mission and evangelism mm. and you were just so to, quite varied. you were really <laughs> humble in some of the things you said there so uh you were really involved in kind of the uh xlp as it was springing up in peckham weren't you so that was a big project for you yeah, guys that's true yeah uh, so patrick regan he's an absolute superstar isn't he i mean i'm sure your listeners and those in, engaging with this will know ministry of xlp yeah i was sort of a little bit of an advisory role there but just love Patrick and we had quite a few of the team um, rooted in in our church and longer term projects that were happening there through the church yeah and then you also said I've spoken in some interesting places some of them are like wild so do you just want to say the most exciting place you've ever spoken (laughs) yeah so some of them are pretty wild I I did get invited to speak at the West Wing of the White House to staff as there. Um, that sort of came about, as these things with God often do, it's, you know, you couldn't possibly, as a, I think I was 30 years old, my twins were one, you couldn't kind of make that happen. But God just laid it on the heart of someone who'd, who was working there that she wanted her colleagues to hear the gospel and she organised this sort of lunchtime event and thought that I would be the person to do it. So I'm a massive fan of the West Wing. I think you are as well, right? You know, the show. And so as we got the full tour, it was like, well, the real press secretary is called whatever, but that would be CJ Craig's parking place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was amazing. And I've spoken at, at, at... universities around the world um, and in in Muslim countries as well had the opportunity to meet kind of leaders in some of those spheres where you might think um, there would be no openness to who Jesus is so Taliban headquarters in Afghanistan and um, another occasion I, I was speaking and the leader of the largest mosque in in Pakistan was there and so yeah, it's all God, though, isn't it? And there's nothing, nothing actually more glorious about that than talking to a Peckham teenager who, um, you know, has experienced a lot of disappointment and devastation in life, and see them come to know Jesus as well. I'd love to ask a bit more about what you've seen in your work with young people, and and I love it, Amy, that with all these incredible things that you've done and seen. Whenever I speak to you, you always tell me stories of, you know, bringing you and Frog, bringing young people to Soul Survivor or different events where, you know, we've all been there. It's been our young people that are the ones that, you know, getting kicked off the site because of having drugs oh, or, you know, nicking high-vis jackets and sending everybody the wrong direction. So I just love that rootedness. And and as well as all these other things, you you founded Reboot, yeah. didn't you? Tell us a bit about your yeah. heart. What, what What is that and what, what is at the heart yeah, of that? So that um, we started 
started that in 2013, a friend and I, um, and at that point, my children were were still pre-teenage, pre but I was in helping with the youth ministry just in the local my local church. And um, I was doing a lot of university uh, speaking. So I was kind of in that whole university mission circuit and encountering people arriving at university, so 18, 19, who were sometimes coming to events or were extremely hostile about the Christian faith on campus, who had a background in church. And I felt like I went through two years of having the same conversation with probably 50 or 60 students who'd had an experience of church, which involved them being drawn to the person of Christ, enjoying the social justice aspect of the faith, even enjoying, you know, worship or, you know, they they would have, you said music by this point, because they kind of moved on from that. But finding that they'd had questions that when they raised them, they were sort of treated as doubting and therefore suspect and disruptive. Or um, they just found that they never heard any kind of coherent engagement with their questions. And those questions raised ranged from, you know, science and faith to how could a loving God um, be real and this be the world there is, you know, classic questions of suffering to, you know, like specific questions about the Old Testament, you know, like real justice questions about how can this verse actually be in the Bible? This appears to be, you know, extremely patriarchal or, you know, this is God encouraging violence against other people. And on the basis of what they experienced at church, either through parents or youth ministry or the pastor, they'd walked away from the faith. And so we were there trying to you know, invite people to come and follow Jesus. And there's this big open door and young people are encountering Christ in the most amazing way, spirit falling, conviction of sin, you know, Muslims having visions of Jesus, that sort of thing. But in the same week, you see that the back door of the church has just been wide open and it's like no one gives a damn. And so um I sort of said to a colleague, I wonder if we could do, because I was working in the field of apologetics, which is a horrible word, but loosely it just means, um, you know, engaging, I guess, with with people's questions about the Christian faith. It comes from the Greek word apologia, which in the New Testament was used to describe um, persuading people that Christianity is true or offering a legal defence, you know, if you were if you were on trial, that's the origin of the word. So um, I sort of said to a friend, what do you think? Do you think we could put on a day? It would probably be only some very weird, nerdy young people. It would be very, very extremely niche. There will hardly be any interest. But I just wonder if there is a need for this. And, you know, the local church does so brilliantly serving young people, but not everyone can do everything. And this is a little bit specialist. Maybe we could offer something that really serves the church mm. and just do it once a year and give it the best resource we can so try and persuade John Lennox or Alistair McGrath or you know Ard Louis professor of theoretical physics at Oxford who's a follower of Jesus to just come and speak to young people and in the in the sort of planning of it I had this kind of prophetic um wasn't a dream exactly, but it was like a um, 
it wasn't even a it was kind of like a vision and I saw you remember in the first world war um a whole generation of men were sent to the to the front in France and just died in their millions, hundreds, hundreds of thousands. And it was like a whole generation were wiped out. And that meant, you know, the knock on women that couldn't marry and all the PTSD that went with it. And we just sort of study that in history and we think, oh, that's really sad that that happened. A generation was lost in the Great War. And we kind of move on with our lives. And I I sort of saw us as our generation as, as Christians sending a generation to the front line with no equipment whatsoever. It was like, off you go to the trenches, but we're not going to give you anything to defend yourself with, let alone to fight with. And then as people are just sort of cut down, we all just go, oh, that's a shame. That's mm. really sad. You know, a bit right. like people talk about young people leaving the church, but we don't really do anything about it. And so I just felt, mm. you know, we're sent when when young people who follow Jesus go to secondary school, almost certainly they are going to encounter a form of secularism. They're certainly going to encounter, you know, now today, a form of forms of kind of intersectionality thinking. They're going to encounter all sorts of different ways of seeing the world that will tell them God's not real, God's not loving, God's not good, that Christianity is, is you know, a force for bad in the world, not good. Um, or a sort of form of egoism, live for yourself. You know, the, better, the kindest thing you can do is love yourself and live for yourself. And um, we need to prepare them for that and give them, um, give them the very best in terms of mm. equipment to, to be on that front line, because I, I think school is the front line. And we might think about doing it when kids go to university, but it's too late. You need it when you're eight, nine, 10 and 11. Um, so that's that's how Reboot started. Sorry, that's such a long answer, but that was the heart behind no, it. It's a, what an amazing image. Yeah. My goodness. I mean, I don't know about you, Rachel. I'm sort of like thinking that's quite a profound little prophetic, even though it applied to Reboot, it feels like a, quite a prophetic kind of thing to have shared on the podcast. I'm sure lots of people are listening to this and thinking, wow, like are we sending our our, our teenagers to the front line without, without any equipment? Gosh. Uh, but then, so you you did that, and you um, uh, you had very you know quite a few successful years of it because because it turned out that it wasn't just a few nerds that that, that wanted to turn up. <laughs> <laughs> the nerds are more than you think. <laughs> I think because it was just one day, we tried to do it in a really fun way, and um, we did it. We located it in. So we did it. Actually, ended up doing it all over the world, but. In London, we located it in Westminster because we wanted to say as well, you know, Christian faith belongs here. It's public square. It's mm. not just this private thing and give the young people a kind of fun day out in London as well. Yeah, so it really grew. We ended up with sort of nearly, I can't remember exact numbers, but it was it was under 2,000. But it was that Westminster Central Hall, you know, that was nearly full and 20 countries so it was happening in capital cities around the world from kind of Cairo to Lima and Peru to Sydney and Australia and and um, Madrid in Spain it was just like this desperation for um, being able to be honest so the tagline of it was no question off limits and it was like you don't have to just suppress that that doubt or that little voice in your head that's saying yeah but really what about dot 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 that's not faith faith isn't shut down that voice faith 
invites questions and new testament word for faith is the word pistis and that means to be persuaded that this is true so there isn't a discontinuity between thinking things and doubting things and new testament faith those two belong together and um it was just it was just really exciting to see and then seeing young people kind of get a vision as well of it's not you don't just have to be a vicar if you're called into into ministry you might be called to be a writer or a filmmaker or a scientist or you know a mathematician or I don't know a doctor and that and whatever it is that you're doing there's like this holistic vision of of of, yeah so so that I mean I think you're right Martin that's a really prophetic picture that really resonates now but Amy you're saying that it was founded in 2013 did you say yeah founded in 2013 and the last one was just before the pandemic so November 2019 that feels like a whole world ago and then obviously we couldn't do like in-person stuff and then um so the organization that supported me and that obviously financially supported this reboot as well and kind of facilitated it we just went through this really terrible awful time that I think you're going to ask me about um which which meant that I mean we obviously pandemic anyway we couldn't gather young people um but now we're we've come sort of come through that season and we're we're, we're thinking about restarting reboot I'd love to pick up again in a minute a little bit about what you're seeing now. Like, are young people still flooding to places where they can ask their apologetic questions, both those who are finding faith and have grown up in faith and those that are, are, are full of far from it? But, but thanks, thanks for raising that, because I think some folks will know that, you know, you've, been, you've had a really challenging couple of years and being in that position of um, being both a whistleblower and a supporter of those who are victims of abuse and just journeying all that yourself. I, I really appreciate your honesty, Amy, that as a very well-known leader, you've spoken out and spoken up about this. But, but what has that been like for you? And, and maybe what has that done in terms of your own ministry, your own wrestling with faith and what you bring now to, to leaders? Yeah. So just in case there are some people watching this who don't know quite what happened. Um, yeah, no, thanks. that's fine. Um, so the the organisation that I worked with was globally known as Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. But here in the UK, it was um, we were called OCA, the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics, or the Zacharias Trust. So we had this kind of UK charity that fitted within something, something bigger, something global. And um, basically, during the pandemic, Ravi Zacharias, he was an Indian um, kind of evangelist apologist who travelled the world and filled the largest kind of stadiums and biggest lecture theatres in every university you would have heard of in North America, talking about the Christian faith and answering people's questions. He died. And after he died, um, a number of women came forward alleging that he had sexually harassed and abused them. Um, three years before he died, he had sued uh, a lady, a woman who'd come forward and claimed that they'd had an online relationship. And he very much denied that. And that then had been sort of under this non-disclosure agreement, um, which all happened in America. It was quite remote from us on, on one sense. But 
lots of us internally were deeply troubled. Um, I remember saying that, you know, I don't think any Christian should have a, an NDA with anyone. And, you know, you're sort of told, well, you don't really understand America. The legal system there is totally different and you're you're kind of shut down. Um, and internally in the organisation, people were reassured that um, the board who had ultimate accountability over him and he followed the Billy Graham rule. He had a travel assistant. He, on the face of it, lived with real accountability. And the team were then told this has been thoroughly investigated. Every document, every allegation has been you know, looked through, not just by Rabbi's own board, but by the board of his denomination, because he was ordained as well. And they've completely cleared him of any wrongdoing. So that was in 2017. And I um, internally was still very concerned about, about that. But I was at a point where I was told you have to accept that you are not above Ravi Zacharias. You are not his account. You're, you're not responsible for his accountability. This other group is. And, you know, so, you know, obviously, having been a person who raised some questions, I was sort of flagged and tagged a little bit as, you know, maybe not very loyal, maybe someone who's a bit, um, probably a difficult woman <laughs> to say that um but but that and that kind of rumbled on in the organization um but then when more people came forward um I knew at that point obviously this is this is totally unacceptable and we need to have an, a genuine in, independent investigation because previously we've been fobbed off with this investigation that had been done by the people that are meant to hold the accountability but actually obviously that has that has not been enough and it's not been okay um and so it was just a horrific almighty struggle to to get that to happen and there was a lot of threats and 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 all sorts of kind of bullying and stuff that that that, that went on and um there were a number of people who were very, very courageous at that point. And actually one person who was very significant was the original woman who'd come forward. I reached out to her and apologised for not doing more to support her at that earlier point. And we've become really good friends. And she really then actually supported different ones of us internally. Um, we did manage to push for and get a um, a truly independent legal um, investigation and what that showed was that the people that had come forward was just the tip of the iceberg this was horrific and if people want to see that the, the firm were called Miller and Martin and you can just type that into Google and you can you can read that report there that the investigators did um, as a consequence of that I've got to know some of the survivors um, just actually this weekend I was hosting one of the survivors here um, who, who travelled over from North America. We spent two days together. Um, and and I think that has really changed me in a number of ways. Um, the worst thing, I think, has been realising that people that you trusted and um, an organisation of people that you've worked with for years and you're going for the same ideals of the gospel that it could be so corrupted and there could be so much kind of deception within it and that is very disorientating um 
I definitely needed to have not just Christian counselling, like actual therapy. I've had trauma therapy as a result um, some of the very specific experiences that I went through, because obviously I was in quite a public role. And so you're, you know, bearing a, a, a different kind of brunt of things. Um, and so on one level, you know, all of the questions that young people have about hypocrisy in the church, about how could God allow something like this to happen? You know, you are living those questions yourself as well. Um and so for me, I think what has one thing hasn't changed is that desire for truth and justice. What I think I've realised is there's an enormous cost to it. And a lot of what we call church and Christianity doesn't actually want that. And that's just horrifying. Um, but the encouraging thing is that 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 God wants that, that Jesus Christ is the focal point of that, that he provides a sort of transcendent meaning for a pursuit of justice that goes beyond your own desire to be right or shown to be right but that that there's a there's a deep goodness in justice and that um that Jesus is is the friend of the downtrodden that Jesus is the one who lifts up those who've been on the receiving end of, of injustice and you know his kind of mission statement of Isaiah 61 that he stands up and and proclaims this is why he's come so I think I found a, a, a deeper walk with God and a, um, a more profound conviction about the importance of truth and justice I just didn't think that I would need to to be pushing for that you know, in my own sort of circles within evangelicalism, it's a bit like, you know, you know that we're all part of the family, the Christian Christianity is a big family on one level. And you think there are issues, but they're in another side of the family. You don't think they're in yours. And then you realise, oh, no, it's it's here. Um, and also me, I needed to examine my own complicity. Why? Why didn't I push hard? I did push hard in 2017 and 2018, and I did bear a cost for that, but I didn't do enough then. And so um, what can I do now to both serve the people that have been harmed, but also to help others in a similar situation where you've got a big impetus of deception? How do you resist that and push through? part of the thing is you don't when you're in it you don't actually know the allegations are you don't even know what the allegations are because there's an NDA and you don't know whether they're true or not and there's this you know all this all this interconnectedness of relationships so sorry that's a very long waffly answer <laughs> I just I, I'm laughing deeply grateful to you and um I think it'd be lovely for our listeners to maybe just hear a little bit you know how you're doing because obviously you've just shared something deeply personal anyone listening who's experienced trauma or any of the things that you've talked about I think we just want to be really mindful about that um as well and just you know take take time to to care for yourself if you're listening and this relates to you or you have experience with this you know, reach out to somebody who is safe who you trust and who loves you just to process this but I think Amy is so thank you so much for just humbly and gently bringing so powerfully your own journey of I guess what we might call deconstruction or kind of working through the trauma of 
of when those who have been real stalwarts in faith or those that we've really looked up to, been role models, been really key in our own spiritual formation, you know, hurt and damage us and others in such a profound way that it can shape the very foundations of what it is that we believe. And you're, and you're right, I think that's on a global sense. We have a generation of young people who are traumatised by authority figures who if, in whatever space, whatever sphere are hypocrites and who undermine and destroy and hurt. And and for faith to have any traction, it needs to be held with such humility and kindness. So coming out of this, are you, because of maybe your vantage point, what you've seen and experienced, but also because you've been engaging emerging generations for many, many years. You've been at the coal face for so many, many years. No, no, hang on. <laughs> well, no, we're all the same age. Years. This is a bit weird, this call. We're, we're, we're all the same age. It was a vintage oh, year, clearly. <laughs> this is so nice. But what, what is this showing you about how this generation are because it's terrifying to ask big questions about truth and reality and your reality and my reality and your truth. Like, this is such a difficult time, a difficult age for young people to own their convictions. So what, what are you seeing at the moment about how young people wrestle yeah, with that? Yeah, that's a really, um, really interesting question. I mean, I think um, I think this whole, the whole piece about trauma is, is it's a real journey to to even begin to 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 learn about and understand and there's so many different dimensions to it but if you look at young people today and their experience their experience of traumatic events whether it's just in the culture or in their own family um the whole massive impact of the pandemic on on young people as well the war in ukraine um massive rise in anxiety um i think one of the things though that i see in that is a desire for searing honesty and reality and i think we see that in jesus we we don't see it in kind of varnished you know super slick christianity but but we encounter it in christ in a really confronting way and i think Jesus is appealing um, because of that, and we need to show him to be so. People, uh, we we want to expose people to to Jesus' voice. Um, I think the second thing is that at the heart of a Christian faith, you have um, embodied trauma, and the the trauma of the Son of God is unflinchingly described in the Gospels actually on a physical level more than on a spiritual level so we've probably all preached the cross you know many times and perhaps talked about Jesus carrying a waste in the meaning of the cross theological meaning of it but it's interesting to me that the gospels focus so viscerally on the physical suffering of Jesus all four gospel writers detailing different aspects of you know flesh torn and um, the physical agony of, of death by crucifixion and the stripping, the shaming, sexual abuse of Jesus, you know, all laid bare the shame of the Son of God embodied. And um, I, I think we, again, have a real opportunity. I think this generation are more interested in their bodies than than previous generations ever have been. That's partly because there's a, a narrative out there right now about finding meaning through either upgrading or changing in some way your your embodied self. Um, but 
the engagement with the body and with trauma, those two themes are really important for young people and they are utterly central to a Christian faith. So that's quite, I think that's really exciting. I think we're going to have a new a generation of different feeling theology that is really exciting and and true, you know, in a granular kind of way. Um, so definitely seeing that. And then I think the second theme would be sort of justice. So if you think about the, the, the narratives of intersectional injustice or, you know, you mentioned the word deconstruction, but I hate the word woke, but what kind of underpins that cluster of ideas that people called call woke is, you know, the way you see the world is through the layers of intersecting injustice that we all experience differently and they intersect for us differently. And so you have a generation that are being told your experience of injustice defines what it means to be human. It defines you and it defines meaning. What the Christian faith does is to say your experience of injustice deeply and profoundly matters. It, here's the manifesto of the Son of God incarnate. It, it, justice really matters, but it does not define you. This is not the lens that labels you or in any way confines you. And so there's an amazing message of liberation there that I think is really potentially appealing to young people. So I think young people are asking questions. They are impacted by different worldviews, but we need to get on the same page with them and get in the trenches of showing and demonstrating the love of God in their meaning not just in, you know, what was being asked 10 years ago. Does that answer? I'm not sure if that answers the question, Rachel, but that's what I'm thinking about and seeing and hearing, I think. No, that's 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 great. Amy, we're going to let you go in a minute, but um, before we do, we're just going to uh, mention the fact that you are going to be speaking this year at the National Youth Ministry Weekend yeah. uh, on Saturday night. People might not know that. Did you know that? Yeah, I think I did know that. Well, yeah. you are. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, on, on the Saturday night, um, which is really exciting. And Thank I know you. you've spoken there before, but we're really glad to have you. Um, and this year, the theme is stronger and it's all about helping young people to develop lifelong faith. How do we get young people to deep in their faith. And I guess uh, a sort of sub theme of that is sort of resilient faith. Um, you are somebody who has obviously been in full-time ministry for a long time. You've also been through this really challenging and difficult um, uh, period, which you've been so kind to, to share with us um, on this podcast. So um, I guess what I'd love to know, you know, for you, what have been the absolute building blocks in building faith resilience? And as you seek to disciple others and, and help others in their discipleship, um, uh, you know, what are the really key things if we're to develop lifelong faith in young people? Thank you, Martin. I'm so honoured to come. I'd love to just come and be part of it anyway, because I love youth ministry and youth leaders. But what an honour to, to come and be part of it and to be able to share. Um, so I think I could probably say loads of different things. I'll just limit it to three. Um, for me, one of the one of the key um, facets of resilient faith is engagement of the mind and not um, falling into this kind of very Christian thing of just have faith, you know, just just don't think about it. Anything that's troubling, just put it out of your mind. Um, but actually 
engaging with the questions that we have and wrestling with doubt, being honest about about doubt and um, being thoughtful about our faith. Um, so developing that life of the mind. And for me, that has that has always strengthened my faith long term. Obviously, you go through big bumps, but you're not going to have this collapse of a house of cards because there's a solid foundation. And so I think to encourage young people to, to think, to not be frightened of thinking, to welcome questions, to express doubt, not suppress it, and um, have those have those conversations have those conversations. Um, I think the second thing for me has been having um, sort of patterns of the word spiritual discipline sounds very OTT, but but following patterns that are consistent that cumulatively build something into your life so you know half an hour or 25 minutes one day doesn't amount to much but half an hour or 25 minutes every day for a week amounts to something and that over a month and then into years really does amount to something at the moment I'm doing this which is it's called be down my vision and it's a kind of it's a bit more liturgical as I've got older I've found um having like structure to prayer and creeds and a role for you know some of the collects and prayers of the church just woven in into my own devotional life has been really amazing as well as a sort of consistent bible reading plan um, and then the last thing is, I think, um, an engagement with with creation and with the outdoors. And that's something that has really shaped me and us in the last 10 years. But again, I think it's a theme for this generation, caring about the natural world and the environment conservation and all of that. Um, but meeting God outside. I did a study last year with a, a small group of us through Genesis, and we noticed that God, every time God met or spoke to someone, it was always outside. It was never in a building. And um, so that embodied experience of being active and outdoors um, and integrating that with with God. So not just thinking, oh, the Holy Spirit comes if there's a smoke machine and, and purple lights and, you know, a particular set of atmospheric whatever. No, that yes, maybe God does do that. Of course he does. But he, he meets us outside here in England <laughs> and, and through through creation and through the natural world. So those would be the three. I love that. I think we're going to have such a fantastic time listening to you, Amy. And I, I just know that people have are coming towards the end of this podcast and they're thinking to themselves, oh, my goodness, Martin and Rachel, they give us fast food. But this Amy has given us a <laughs> I don't feast believe that for a and they're going to go down to have a little sleep so they could like regurgitate. Amy, thank you. Everything that you have shared has just landed so powerfully. And I think I'm going to have to listen back to what you're saying a number of times to really take it in. But thank you so, thank so you much. We can't me. wait to hear you at the National Youth Mission Weekend. Can't wait to see you there. So great to talk to Amy, who's become a real friend she of, of yeah. Youthscapes, of mine, uh, of yours, you know, particularly in the last couple of years. 
um, as she's been processing some of this stuff mm. incredibly bravely and yeah. courageously and well. And she supports so many other people and yet, you know, is still is still processing these challenges for herself. Um, so we're thrilled that she's going to be with us on Saturday night at the National Youth Ministry Weekend. You don't want to miss it. Um, and you can still get tickets. Uh, youthscape.co.uk forward slash NYMW. Uh, and you'll find out the program and uh, where Amy and others are speaking and you'll be able to get yourself booked in. Well, that's it for another episode of the Youthscape podcast. Thank you for joining with us. It's been so wonderful to have you tuning in and you can book your tickets uh, for the National Youth Ministry Weekend simply by going to youthscape.co.uk forward slash NYMW. And I can't wait to see you at the top of the escalators in November in Birmingham. See you next week. He's going to cut the whole. He's, he's going to cut the whole this lot. whole section. Well, this is all we're going to do. So it's going to leave you without an episode, David. <laughs> this has gone a bit weird. Um, <laughs>